And a big aloha to you. This is the Travel Angel Radio Show at its new time here on Wednesday. And uh, Kathy Takushi here with me is my co-host with Captivating Journeys. Aloha, Kathy. Hi, Cindy. How are you? I am fine. And we are very honored to have Audrey here. Audrey does the Portuguese show on 1240 AM on KEWE 8 to 9 on Sundays. And she is uh, also one of the major forces behind the Heritage Hall in Paia. And um, she's taking time off from there right now to be here and very involved in the Portuguese community. So we'll be talking to you as well. We're ex- of course, what are we going to talk about? Portugal. Portugal. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> you are an expert. I learned so much last time. A couple of years ago I spoke to you about it and I learned so much about Portugal from oh. you. You're wonderful about it. You but really know you your stuff. But you did make a trip there, did you not? Yes, yeah. but it wasn't long enough. <laughs> that's that's why, what everybody says. That's why we're going back. Yeah, somebody told me today, I'm not going to go back for 10 days. I want to go for six weeks. That That's, you know, I can <laughs> I definitely said, see that. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it takes you pretty much that long to um, feel that you're you're part of it. I de- well, you you are part of it. Yeah, I've been there. I've been <laughs> there a few. I've been there a few times that I have. Well, we were all just talking before the show began about this rather controversial subject. Of course, number one, there's been a lot of delays. Again, there was a major storms on the East Coast, and lots of flights canceled once again. This weather, this season, this winter has been terrible for the East Coast and for flights and cancellations, etc. And I was talking to you, Kathy, last week about the fact that. It's best if you're taking a trip to Europe or some other place not to go through Newark or JFK at East this time Coast, yeah. or even Dulles. Some people swear just don't even go to Dulles anymore and try to book around it So, because it's terrible when well, you're stuck in the— you only Logan, doesn't it? If Logan's yeah, even difficult, yeah, but, been hit mm-hmm. by storms as it, well. It's the target of this next one, yeah. Boston. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's, it's a big issue. So what do you do to, when people um, want to go to Europe at this time of year, and, and where do you direct them to? Well, w- for my clients, I, I usually try to have them go to L.A. or San Fran, and then from San Fran to wherever. Over the pole? Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Depending on where they're going to, there are some nonstops. Because even at this time of year, Chicago can be iffy sometimes. And Denver. Yeah. I I, I know when, um, like, United, Houston is a hub for them. And I I like the Houston airport. The people are nice. It's a nice airport. Then I did that one time, and then I had weather in Houston. Really? And it was a summer, you know, Mm. you know, so you never know. But I think it's best if you can go from the West Coast straight to somewhere in Europe and then connect because there's a lot of nonstop flights. And I also recommend that people get travel insurance. Yes. We've had this come up a few times with people saying, well, gosh, you know, I missed this day or that. Some people, if they're on a cruise and they don't give themselves enough time, they can miss half the cruise by the time mm-hmm. they get where they they're do, going. Yeah. It's like, whoa. Mm-hmm. That's happened. <laughs> I know. It's like, wait a second. Uh-huh. The ship has left the harbor two days ago. You're going to have to fly to get into the next port to meet them there, right? right? Mm-hmm. And get your luggage and do all that. So, mm-hmm. so of course, they can call you anytime, day or night, mm-hmm. in the middle of the night and get help if the, if the plane gets um, delayed or canceled. It's not nice to have a travel agent who you can call on mm-hmm. at 244-1414 to take care of the stuff you can't deal with. And, you know, meltdowns um, of people in airports aren't great. And the other meltdown happened, which got all over the news, was about someone who had a, a large bag, 
I think Flying United. It was and, United. And right. it, the, the bag was sticking out into the aisle, and, and then the, the, the airline personnel uh, said, Listen, you can't leave that sticking out. You have to put it overhead. Well, there's a question. I'm wondering, well, okay. She puts it overhead. It turns out there's a dog. A puppy. A puppy in the bag. And she, I guess she must not have said anything. I mean, obviously, she probably was worried that she'd get kicked off the flight, right? If if she didn't have permission to bring the dog because it's getting harder and harder. Um, oh, my gosh, we've got a picture of the puppy. Is this a dead puppy in the overhead bin? Well, I don't think it was an overhead then, but. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Isn't that sad? Oh, oh, okay. When you see that, it's, she <laughs> yeah, showed me the Facebook. The dog died. Uh, the dog died, and I don't know how long the dog was up there before she realized the dog had died. If it was the whole flight, I think the owner takes some responsibility for having to say something. Um, and you said that you heard the same story, and some people said they even heard the dog yelping yeah, or barking. The, it was reported, and I'm trying to think of where I read it, that other passengers had heard the dog barking mm-hmm. from the over overhead bin. Mm. Well, it's just wrong. Yeah. It's terrible. You know, I have to say what's happened is a lot of these flights have really cracked down on the comfort animals. I mean, at one point, I think the thing that kind of broke the camel's back, no pun intended, was when someone said a peacock was their 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 comfort pet and wanted to take a peacock on board. Um, and some people were saying pigs were their, their comfort um, animal and pigs were getting loose and running up and down and pooping and... So it was, I have to say, from the airline's point of view, I think these comfort animals got a little out of control. Um, And I also have had problems, actually, with United when I thought I had actually booked a space for my parrot when he was coming over years ago. And um, then when I got there and they said, no, no, there's no space, you have to put the animal down in cargo, which you don't want to do. I mean, you know, you don't want to, and parrots are very sensitive. I got my parrot. My thank God, my parrot didn't die. I had to put the parrot in cargo. But well, now they don't allow birds in the cabin because of Asian flu. I didn't but, know that. Yeah, oh. birds are no longer allowed in the passenger cabin. Well, and it's always limited anyway, too. They they limit you. Even if, I thought I'd actually had a ticket and I called ahead of time, and I didn't realize till I got to the airport and it was too late to do anything. That they said no, I couldn't have my pet. Uh, in the passenger section. Now, it's always a problem with that, but I think, you know, this is obviously with this incident kind of going to be coming up. Um, you have a responsibility as a pet owner to say something. I think even if you're going to get kicked off an airplane. Well, it, I would it, rather get kicked, kicked off, off and have a, pet. have a live pet right. than mm-hmm. to arrive at my destination right. only to have my pet die. Yeah, I mean, and it might come to a lawsuit, and I would imagine maybe... It'll be interesting to see if they just settle or say it's not our fault because it wasn't. We didn't know it was a, a pet that was being put in the overhead. How could they not know if United, the dog was barking? Yeah. Other passengers heard it, but then the owner would have had to have known too. Well, but, yes, the owner would have had to have known. So why However, wouldn't the owner t- take it down at that point if they were already in the air when the pet was barking? Just put the the the. Well, it's supposed to fit underneath the seat. But United did acknowledge that it was their fault. Oh, yeah. they did? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was on the news I, this morning. Yeah, I they didn't did. hear they that part of the story. responsibility yeah. for it. Wow. Well, so. then that's interesting. What do you do in the case of a death? 
Well, it's 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 getting to the point now. It's almost something all the time now that we have social media. These things, and when a picture of a dead pet comes out in Facebook, that certainly is going to get attention. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's a sad state of affairs. Um, and part of this is, and of course, we have a pet show with um, Warren Eckstein here. Um, in fact, I've had him on the air talking about pets traveling, and it is a difficult thing for pets anyway traveling there they you when you have a pet traveling they go through much more than we go through their ears are sensitive they hear the noise louder they need water because it gets dehydrated so they need extra water what are you going to do with the pet needs to pee or go to the bathroom you know um it's it's a big issue although i notice now at hawaiian airlines they do have a little pet is it i think it's here or is it on oahu where they have a pet relaxation or comfort station at the airport at the airport yeah Yeah. a lot of the uh, airlines I've noticed has have that too. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But you know, gosh, five hours later or six hours mm-hmm. later, right? I mean, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. So it's it's a sad state, and and I guess it's going to be coming up more and more um, about what you do with pets. I think I may have Warren Eckstein on our show again. Now, what's happening with travel? Your news: You're going to um, Silver Seas is um, going to be visiting Oahu, right? Um, the, the reps, the not reps, the ship. right? Um, so we are going to uh, Tina and I are going to go to a breakfast training tomorrow on Oahu, mm-hmm. and and then we're also going to be citing some of the n- new properties that we haven't seen, like the Alohilani, uh, the Lalo. I don't even know that one. Check out the Surf Jack, and uh, so we're going to spend the whole day there, and then I have a another meeting on Friday. So I haven't heard a word about Southwest Airlines. I mean, I'd heard from the former shows and originally when Southwest said they're going to be coming in around March and I haven't heard or I seen a thing. Anything. Have you? Mm-mm. We haven't gotten any. I wonder if they're being official. blocked or if something's going on with that because it I should have been on by now because they were supposed to start flying. So I'm kind of wondering what happened. I mean, you know, I mean, I would see that as a big, if I was Hawaiian Airlines, and I'm sure they've been thinking about it um, because they thought, you know, gosh, Southwest, some people are saying it would be cheaper to fly than Hawaiian Airlines. But I would have thought if they really are starting up here in March, which originally they said, that we would be seeing something about that or hearing something about that by now. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, there I've, I've seen some pretty good fares out there right now. So. On Hawaiian? On everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I just happened to be checking... For, uh, fares for our client to Denver. It wasn't available, so yeah, you'd have to play with dates. But there was a fare for like three fifty Maui to Denver. That's unbelievable. Yeah, I saw some flights to Europe from the mainland that were like five ninety five. There is, yeah. I I have somebody going San Francisco London for five seventy two round trip. That's, That's pretty, amazing. Pretty darn cheap. That really is, of course, yeah. London. <laughs> you go anywhere in London. Try staying at a hotel for less than three hundred fifty dollars. Yeah. London's to expensive. Other, other spots too. Mm-hmm. Paris. Uh, I think there was Rome was a little bit higher. So mm-hmm. if you're flex, it was hard to get. Well, that's good to know though, yeah. because I, you know, this isn't that bad a time of year. You know, mm-hmm. I I don't mind winter and spring in Paris. Of course, is fabulous. So if you can get this, and I've done the April in Paris thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so, and yeah. it's nice. April in Paris is beautiful. And you can sing that song, April in Paris, right? Mm-hmm. And do that whole thing. Um, so if you're interested, call Kathy at 244-1414. Um, you can also ca- call Kathy or Tina about this trip we're going to be talking about here for the next hour um, on to sunny Portugal. Um, and, and, again, Audrey's 
Audrey is so, so, so in-depth. I mean, I assume you have Portuguese background and your roots are from <laughs> Portugal, right? Both of my parents were born on the island of Madeira. Oh, wow. They came as children to Hawaii with their parents. Wow. My dad in 1886 and my mother in 1906. That must have been amazing. Do you know what brought them to Hawaii? Yes, the opportunity to work. Uh-huh. Uh, we had Henry Lindsay, um, who's got Portuguese mm-hmm. roots, um, on last week. And, uh, and it was interesting. He said something I wasn't aware of. He said there's parts of Portugal and Madeira that look a lot like Maui. There is a spot in, as you're going into Iao Valley, and if you take a, take a picture of it, people from Madeira will say, oh, that's a Ribeira uh, Fria. And you say, no, this is on Maui. Wow, yep. I didn't know that. Yep, there are many similarities, many similarities. When did you first get to visit your roots, your My homeland? My first trip to Portugal was in 1979. Wow. And I went in December with a friend, and it was cold, but it was not freezing cold mm-hmm. uh, as it is on the east coast right now right but it was um it was beautiful it was in the holidays and i went to midnight mass in the main cathedral there in mm. lisbon and the cardinal was celebrating mass and unfortunately what i remember of it um this poor lost a dog wandered into the church and one of the dogs that had come with its owner turned on it. So here we have the two dogs barking at each other. Oh, my gosh. And, it's, and I, I, it's I Christmas just, Eve Mass? It was, yeah, Midnight Mass. Was that the main church that's down towards the river? Um, yes. I, that's and a there's a little church. tram that goes by it. Mm-hmm. They have a museum of tiles that is, you know, part of it. It, 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 it startled me because... I don't think I've ever recalled dogs going to church. No, um, it's interesting. You know, except on the Feast of St. Francis when they go to the blessings. Yeah. yeah. But it was um, it was interesting. The choir was magnificent. Mm. I mean, it was just, it was really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, um, and then on Christmas Day, we went to Fatima. <gasps> oh, how wonderful. And after that, we had lunch in Nazare, where, you know, it's a fishing village and the fish practically jump into your plate. And I, I recall that as we were having lunch, very sedate Portuguese family, we had a group of Americans that came into the same restaurant, and they were boisterous and loud and obviously very drunk. And I thought, I don't want anybody to know. No, I know. <laughs> it's kind of the, American. the Shamed ugly of American yeah. syndrome. But it was um, it was. A beautiful, beautiful visit. Mm. And then we were there over New Year's where everybody makes noise. And you have to eat either 12 grapes or 12 raisins to bring in the New Year. But let's talk about I this. Know, I didn't know that tradition. Oh, Isn't that interesting? It's, yeah, it's, uh, Portugal has so many novel things about it. and uh, Is that because it's a grape, because of the grapes being honored by the fact that no, there's so many vineyards No, they say that you, you eat 12, uh, one for each month of the year so ah. that it will be good luck, etc. Oh, that's good. But just the eating was good. Yeah. <laughs> that's wonderful. Yeah. Well, yes, we are going to talk about the trip to sunny Portugal happening October 4th through the 14th. With an optional four-night Madeira Island post-tour extension, which was just lowered in the cost of doing that one. 
Um, and it's um, we we I, I just so respect you. I'm going to go through this and have your input on it. But the cost, um, including um, the air from Maui flying over to Lisbon, is three thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars. Um, based on sing, uh, double occupancy. Mm-hmm. That's a single based on double occupancy. Um, although we have had people um, call and say they were interested in going by themselves and single it's possible. You can go by and yourself. Slightly more. I think it's forty two ninety nine. Yeah, it's yeah. For, mm-hmm. which isn't for a that single. Much, yeah, which is good. That much difference. Um, but the idea is, of course, um, there's a lot of sides. A lot of people, just like when we were there, a lot of people now are doing tours or cruises. But they only get you there for a day. And I know Kathy did a, um, a river cruise last October, that was. It was November, October, I October, believe. October, we went on the Dora River. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which was in From but, Spain into Portugal? Uh, we started in Portugal. Port- went, okay. Went up and then came back. Mm-hmm. Oh, but okay. we did go into um, Santiago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and because, as, as Kathy was saying earlier, we were talking about it, and she says it's become a very popular place to go. Um, but if you're just going for a day on a cruise, that's really not enough. No, not really. And, and that's true for any country you would visit, certainly for Portugal, but yes. for almost any country you would visit, one day is not enough. Mm-hmm. And that's why um, this is going to be longer. It um, leaves here, goes to Lisbon, and then... Um, you know about these places so much more than I do. We're going to go into the beautiful Portuguese Riviera area, and um, that's Estoril um, and Cascais. Cascais. Yeah. And, and um, tell us a little bit about those areas from your experience. Well, they're, they're where you would want people to go. They're the resort areas, mm-hmm. and there is a wonderful casino there. It's... Um, and you have to dress for it. You don't. It, it's not like going into Las Vegas where you can go in yeah. slippers and shorts, etc. There, you dress formally to go to the casino, uh-huh. and it's it's very very nice, very elegant. Um, but it's a beautiful area. The thing that is perhaps deceptive about it is that in Estoril, you have the feeling that you're in a charming town, mm-hmm. small town, but it's not that small, and they've got. Um, a castle there, a beautiful palace there in um, in um, Estadil. So that's one of the things that you Well, I'm visit. corrected already because I called it Estoril. The S again pronounced S-H, Estoril. Yeah, Estoril. You know, Portuguese have that sh sound in their language. And there, it, it does say that, you know, that this was actually a place that the royals actually yes. came and yeah. went to. So that's why the palace, etc. Um, and we'll have a welcome dinner. Uh, that night on our first um, first day, and then you know we're going to talk a little bit here because we go into Lisbon to the Alfama Alfama uh, district, and it's a it's a fascinating area that I you know if you haven't if you haven't been to Portugal before, and I know a lot of people have gone to Italy many many times, have gone to you know Spain's become very very popular, and of course have gone to Paris who are regular travelers, but this area is unique. And it has a little bit of everything. I, I see the wrought iron. I see so much in Spain. When you go to Barcelona, wrought iron everywhere. And, mm-hmm. and in some areas of Paris, you get that wrought iron. You get the different colors on the buildings. You do. Like you get. And, and the small cobblestones. And if you wander through the little twisted lanes, you can't get a car through there. So you really have to be able to walk it in the Alfama. The Alfama district um, 
is unusual because it's so old. It goes back, what, to the 1100s. And it is an area that survived the great earthquake in 1755 that killed 80,000 people in Portugal. Mm-hmm. Huge, and the Alfama huh? was virtually untouched by it. So the buildings there that are very close together, um, and you see laundry hanging, and you do see wrought iron, but it's mainly the cobblestone lanes that you're going through, and they wind their... Portugal, Lisbon is not flat. So you have to be able to um, to walk and to climb. Mm-hmm. And very, very pretty. So the Alfama, I'm glad, is included in there. And um, also there's that Geronimo's Monastery. Geronimo's. Geronimo's oh. Monastery. Geronimo's is important. Geronimo's is the site where um, Henry, not Henry, um, Vasco da Gama, is entombed at Sharanamush. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, and across the hallway is... That's up on the peak over the, looking the city, no. is it? No, no. I'm thinking of the other church. Yeah, Sharanamush is actually in Lisbon itself. It's um, in, a, in a part of Lisbon that is um, part of Belém, which in English translates to Bethlehem, but the they tarts. have <laughs> pastéis, right? Pastéis de Belém. Famous, famous. They're very famous. They're little custard tarts um, uh-huh. that originally were made by the nuns. And anyway, um, Geronimus is, is one of my favorite places. Across the hallway from Vasco da Gama's um, sepulcher is a, a tomb that we believe to have the remains of Portugal's poet laureate, Luís Vaz de Camões. And um, he was a distant relative to Vasco da Gama. His major work, um, Os Lusíadas, is um, an allegorical treatise really on the voyage of discovery that Vasco da Gama made. Um, So much for that. What is interesting, if you don't know it, you walk through it and you see this cloister with a grassy lawn and four corridors and there are arches. But look carefully at each arch because every arch is carved differently. So when you look at it at first glance, it's uniform. Mm -hmm. And then you look at it and you see that each one is an individual carving. I think I did go there. Now I'm recalling that. Yeah. I remember telling John yes. about that. Yeah, yeah. That's that that was yeah. very, very interesting. Yeah. Very and it's like the Portuguese people, you at first glance we're all alike <laughs> and then you look at us and we're quite individual. <laughs> so uh, how well, how large is the Portuguese community here on Maui, would you say? I would venture to guess that on this island you have probably 25,000 people who oh. are of Portuguese descent wow. in whole or in part. I, I'm surprised. I did not realize Well, because that's... Portuguese marry everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, this is true. It's they really love true. everybody. <laughs> so, yeah. that's, that's very, that's, that's great. That's fun. Do, do you have Portuguese celebrations in, the, in your hall, the Heritage Hall? Do you have certain we celebrations? We you have know? every year. We have our annual festa. Um, and for that, we have Portuguese foods for sale. We have, um, we always do a cuisine demonstration. And I think last year we did um, Torejmish, which is a dish from the Azores. It's pork that has been marinated and then fried. And it's quite, quite good. Um, we also have a bread-making demonstration every year. 
And now that we have our stone oven, we're actually doing bread making in a stone oven. We do a workshop for children, uh, for families that have children. Um, the children have to be 8 to 12, but that's a different... And, and that's making bread. Is it What's the Portuguese bread like compared to regular bread? What, what kind of flavor? Well, in Portugal, you, you get your bread, that, what we call pãozinhos. They're little loaves of bread. Uh-huh. And for breakfast, you slap some cheese on it um, or some um, Portuguese sausage. And they're, they're, they're very large. They're the size of our bologna, huh. you know. And you slap that on the bread, and you have your coffee. And that's, that's breakfast with uh-huh. fruit. And, and, and continental. what about the Portuguese bean soup? <laughs> um, okay. Portuguese bean soup, per se, you would not find in the fine restaurants in Lisbon. You might find it in Madeira and in the Azores. And that's because it's basically peasant food. It's a food that the common people, you grew your vegetables, you grew your beans, you raised your pigs, you made sausage, you made ham from what you raised. Well, today, it's um, we don't raise pigs in our backyard. Um, we're not allowed to, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's you don't normally have gardens here where you grow everything. Mm-hmm. Some people do, but it's not the common practice. So when you get Portuguese soup, the difference here and in, in in the Azores is that they will take some of the soup and they'll puree it, and then they'll put it back into the pot to mm. mix with the rest of it. So it's a much it's a thicker thick soup. It's yeah. a thicker soup, very hearty. I know up at the uh, Holy Ghost Church every year when they have their feast, they always and, and some of the places I think even St. Joseph have have, have Portuguese right. soup oh, contests, definitely. right? It, definitely, it's kind yeah. of a huge part. Yeah, of it's, their... it's part of our heritage here in Hawaii. It doesn't. It's not part of the culture in Lisbon or even in Madeira or huh. the Azores. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. But it's, again, one of those things that developed right. here kind of as a remembrance of, in their mind of the family. What, what our families brought. And mm-hmm. here, when they got here, they all had gardens. They Good point. knew everything, yeah. including their animals. So. Yeah. Well, wonderful. Well, okay, so I'm learning so much from you. Uh, we're talking, if just tuning in, with Audrey. Audrey has the Portuguese show on at 12.40, uh, runs on our sister station, 12.40 a.m., 8 to 9 o'clock on Sunday nights, and she works with the Portuguese community. And um, you've been there probably, What? Are, how many times have you been to Portugal? I was trying to think, I think seven times. Wow. Uh, but n- not all of them to the islands. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first time I went to Madeira was in 93. And um, to the Azores, I think in 1996, 97, somewhere through there. But then I've been back many, many times Have since. you been seeing the growth of the tourism, the changes coming? Because obviously there's a lot of money that can come in through tourism. And to Madeira, Madeira has always been a tourist place. Oh, the been. Azores has been trying to increase their tourism. And I said, be careful of what you wish for. Oh, it's true. Be yeah. careful of what you wish for, unless you're planning well, you may find yourself um, doing something that in the end will not benefit you. But the Azores has a long way to go. And one of the, and it's certainly the island of San Miguel is the most, is the most beautiful island I have ever, ever seen. Really? Yeah. Wow. It is absolutely beautiful. Wow. That's good to know. It's green. It's, um, 
it's got lakes. It's it's just a beautiful, beautiful place. Wow, that's wonderful. And very, um, very rural. Their main industry is cattle. They raise. It, it's a dairy industry, and it's interesting if you're driving on the roads, and it gets to evening time. And all of a sudden you stop because there's a herd of cattle that are quietly walking home. They know mm-hmm. it's time to be milked, and they have the right-of-way. Mm-hmm. So you <laughs> stop and you wait. Uh, I've been on the backside behind Kahakaloa and, and had that happen a few times. A few times, <laughs> right. Right? right? Where that's gone on. Well, we're going to move on to um, Sintra, which is it's kind of famous. Oh, yes. Sintra, Sintra has a palace, and uh, the last ruling monarch uh, was there. It's interesting because his wife and his mistress both had the same name, and his mistress lived on the palace grounds. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, great lovers, Portuguese. <laughs> you like that name. What, that's a, you call out the name, no, and you don't they, know who's going to answer. It's, it's a beautiful palace. Mm. It really and truly is. You went there, right? Yeah, we did. I, li- I liked all the colors. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And, um, and I've learned that I pronounced it cash cash. Kashkaish. Kashkaish. Yeah. Kashkaish. Um, and then Estral. And, um, and I, I'm, you know, I'm even afraid to pronounce these right. Obidosh. 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 It is a pretty little city. It's a walled city. It has a wall around it. And um, it's got interesting little shops. And what I like about the shops are that they're handmade goods from the people who live there. Um, during the wintertime, um, they sit around and they make their dolls. They do their crocheting, their embroidery, their netting. And so they're able to sell handmade goods. It's really um, artisan shops. When you say it's a walled city, does that go back to the, me- the me- 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 medieval times? Right, right. Oh, it it has a very beautiful posada in it. Um, it's, uh, it's nationally owned now by the Portuguese government, and it is pricey. To stay there is very, very pricey. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. But it's but it's beautiful. It's it's a castle actually. And and I guess there's also um it says, it says the beautiful Silver Coast is a spectacular region filled with sleepy villages and age-old castles. You know, it's funny because a lot of people know Spain as as having castles. Of course, you know Ireland for having castles and England, but I don't know if people really think of Portugal and castles. It was interesting because I was looking um I was just going through something that I had read online, and it mentioned a Castro. And I thought, Castro? Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out that Castro is a Portuguese, and I think it's also in Spanish, the same word. And it refers to a Roman or pre-Roman castle. Oh, I didn't know that. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it's so it, mm-hmm. I thought that was... Oh, yeah. Okay. So that was interesting. And... Um, and Fatima, I that was one of the highlights when I went uh, last year. Um, Fatima was very different than what I expected, mm-hmm. but also just as impressive. And w- when you went there too, as well, Kathy, you went to Fatima. Mm-hmm. We did. She had a lovely experience. She actually got to go just outside where Fatima is into the old town, and she got to meet the niece, niece of Lucia. Ah, and she was sitting in this little. I guess where her house is, mm-hmm. across from where they grew, where Lucia mm-hmm. grew up, and then our guide knew of her, mm-hmm. and she took us in, and then she kissed everybody's hand, and um, you just it just kind of was a 
chicken skin moment, and oh, she said yes. something in Portuguese, and we didn't know what. I don't remember. She's 96 or 97, 97 years? I think. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. They just had this last year the 100th anniversary. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, I have and to I'll say it was very different than what I kind of imagined. I thought it was just going to be a cathedral, but it's actually like a whole center. That It's a very large well, area. It has to be because at night yes. you have the um, candlelight Candles, processions, yeah. and there are thousands of people there. And some of them, they, they uh, walk on their knees. Yeah, they, yeah. they walk on their knees from the edge of that huge arena-like mm-hmm. that they have all their way up to the basilica itself. Wow. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's, that's pretty impressive. And they have three. They have the original chapel, mm-hmm. the small one, and they have the older one, and then the new one, which is really modern. And then yeah. they have the, um, the, what they added. The first time I went to um, Fatima was in 1979. Mm. And they didn't have the um, the Pope's um, shelter that they built mm-hmm. this clear plastic so yeah. people could see what was the mass in action. Um, when he went to um, Fatima, that came later. What I found impressive were the Sanish there. And you, if you have a problem, say you have a throat problem, you will go in and you will buy um, a wax figure of a throat and then you will light it and you'll put a little donation in to ask for special prayers so that your throat will be healed. I didn't see that. No, I didn't. They, there were a lot of people around. I did buy one, a few of the large candles. They uh-huh. have the like, foot-long candles. Mm-hmm. Right. More. But it's very crowded, so I mean, I literally people were throwing things because yeah, <laughs> it got really hot. There was a big flame going because it's on the left side as you walk in. There's this yeah. whole area where people light the candles and everything, and then a little shop. And it's very inexpensive to get the candles and things right. there at that shop. But there's another gift shop I went to behind. When you go up and go in back, there's another gift shop that's back behind the new cathedral, which had lovely things. And I did buy a couple of statues. Mm-hmm. Of the Madonna there. Because your book is on Fatima. It's on uh, the Blessed Mother. It's it's Mystical Mother Mary. And I did bring my, I also did a CD called Ave Maria, Queen of Angels. And I gave, because I didn't know who to talk to, because it's kind of, there's people everywhere, right? But I gave, they did have the nuns working the gift shop. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did give the nuns, and I didn't, didn't speak language. So someone who did was translated to one of the nuns I gave it to, and I gave them a couple of them, and they were very grateful. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to give them to them, but it's kind of hard to know when you're there, which is the right place. But, I mean, the cathedrals, the new cathedral is very large, mm-hmm. um, and it has a big organ and the sounds going. But I love the area behind the cathedral. You could still see the old trees were still sitting there, and there's a little bench you can sit circling. The old trees. The, the old trees is where the Blessed Mother appeared over a little oak tree when it was growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the original trees were pretty much all torn down by people who were pilgrims. Unfortunately, they have just a little sliver left uh, yeah. of the original tree. But I went in back knowing that story about the trees, and, and those are old trees. And I, I, when I was sitting there praying, I definitely felt the light was, the sun was coming through the light, um, the wind stirred, and I felt that presence, and it was very, very beautiful. I did go inside and pray in the church, but I felt more of the presence outside mm-hmm. under the tree than I did inside. Well, 
When I was there, it was on a it was on Christmas, and oh we got my. there about eleven o'clock in the morning, and all around there were these signs saying "silencio," silence, mm-hmm. and the the huge square in front of it, it's not a square; it's really a rounded arena. Yeah, um, was basically empty. Hmm. Everyone was inside at mass, mm-hmm. and mass is going on, as you know, in all different languages. You know, throughout the day. So it was. It was. I thought it was. You could feel that something profound took place there. Mm-hmm. You didn't know what it was. Yes. But you have the same feeling when you go to Kalaupapa that something profound happened here. Even though you may not know why. I call it the presence. You feel yeah. the presence, yeah. that, yeah. that spirit. Um, yeah. and, I, and that's why I'm sure people do go there and probably go there a few times to go back. I never made it down as you enter off to the right. I think there was a museum or something off to the right. And I didn't ever make it down there because that was actually quite a ways from where the church is on the top. And, you know, they, they don't think anything about walking 12 blocks to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, here we want... We want transportation. <laughs> so. Well, there's also a time limit. And coming up, we'll try to make that so it's not a problem. Because it is, it's a memorable. I mean, you remembered it from your trip. I remember it. You remember that trip. And I think that is what make, makes trips very, very special, mm-hmm. is those places you go where you get that feeling and you remember it later. And that's what makes a trip very special. If you're just tuning in, it's the Travel Angel radio show. We're talking radio show. And we're talking about um, a trip to Portugal um, that we're doing October 4th through the 14th. Um, um, and and there is, and I didn't mention this enough, there's a limitation of when these, the deal is available till $3,999 be, is being held for us at that price, including your airfare and your breakfast and some dinners and um, all of your tours and four-star hotels. Um, that's all included, um, but we only have that available to the end of March. So I know some people have called you, um, Kathy, um, but... You know, they may not be aware that, you know, they've been thinking about it. But if you're thinking about it, go ahead and call Kathy and do go ahead and put the deposit down. And, and you can still think about it um, up till the end of uh, March. You can go get your money back. Well, I the think, deposit April. is fully refundable up until April 2nd. And the deposit is $500 per person. And um, I, I think you'll be very glad that you had this experience. It's very different. Portugal is not like... The other cities of Europe, it's got its own distinct flavor. Mm-hmm. And I think partly because it hasn't had too much tourism to kind of water it down yet. I mean, it's still like a discovery. It's a beautiful gem to be discovered. But it's the new hot spot, so. It is. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. going to get um, really crowded, I think. Um, we're going to talk about Alentejo. We talked Yalentejo. a little bit about Alentejo. Yalentejo. You pronounce yeah. the J. Yes, yeah, in Portuguese. Um, and uh, the stop in Evora, the, it's a UNESCO city, the Museum City of Portugal, Evora, because right. it's a medieval walled city that lies um, uh, a second century Roman temple to Diana there. Mm-hmm, the Roman ruins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you, they're throughout Portugal, but in Evora, um, and I started to tell you that was the first place, one of the most famous dishes, um, culinary treats, really. Um, comes from that area, the Alentejo, and it's a mejuaj de porco alentejana, um, clams and pork in the style of the Alentejo. And it's an odd combination. It, it works perfectly well. I mm-hmm. mean, it's, it really is um, a very, very pleasant dish. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing was the um, 
uh, the soap of the Alentejo, which I hear I was expecting this wonderful soup because mm-hmm. Portugal is known for it. And when it came, I said, oh, uh, we, we have this in Hawaii, but that's not what we call it. It's it's a soup that is made with um, water and olive oil and an egg uh, over a piece of bread. Hmm. And you boil garlic and the olive oil and water. And after it's boiled, you poach your egg in it. And then you spoon the whole thing over uh, crusted dry bread. And, you know, it's... I said, oh, my goodness. So it was something that we recognized. Yeah. that that Did you have some nice meals there in that area? Oh, well, first of all, if you like seafood, Portugal's a place to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the the seafood, because it's a sea coast 750 miles long, mm-hmm. um, lots of fresh fish. Mm-hmm. And Portuguese enjoy it. Uh, interestingly enough, though, they, what they really like is their codfish, which is semi-dry. Bacalhau. <laughs> yes. Ah, you yes. had that, huh? Yeah. And, and, of course, we haven't talked about the grapevines and the grape and the port as well. And you, I noticed that there are two winery tours yes. in this. Yeah. I've been to the um, one of the Fonseca wineries, and it's... Um, oh, They're famous. Yeah, yes, they really are. Yeah, and, and here, the Fonseca, you can get it, but it's, it's rather expensive for yes. good Fonseca. Yeah. And there, it's, 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 it's really wonderful. You do have to... Um, be careful if you're going to be sending alcohol back to the United States. You know, it's there. Uh, there's a duty that you'll pay on it. Mm-hmm. But it's worth it. It's mm-hmm. worth it. And I, I once or twice tried to bring bring back bottles in my carry-on luggage, and you have to be very, very careful of that, unless it is boxed. I've had them break. Carry-on? No, no, oh. no. Oh, you're no, checking. No, my check-in. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So you Can't wrap get... it, you wrap your clothes around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and now tell me a little bit about um, uh, Lagos. Lagos. Lagos um, is a it's on the coast, and this is where Henry the Navigator would actually send his ships on their voyages of discovery. And, and he's a hero there, isn't he? He's like a well, huge yeah. Hero. He there's a Villa do Infante, which is the the home of the prince's home. Um, Lagos is close to Sagres, which, and everybody says um, he formed a school of navigation. It wasn't exactly a school, although that's one way you could term it. What he did was to gather the best cartographers in Europe from all over. If they could draw a map, he wanted them to come to Sagres. Really? So that when they went out, they would be able to map the places that they had visited. Uh Uh-huh. And people say, well, it was a school of navigation. Well, <laughs> yes and, and, and no. But it's also the place where all these maps, historical maps exactly. were. Exactly. Wow, what a wonderful thing to be able to see. Because at that time, it's interesting to see what they thought and what became real and the old names and what was done at that time, which is I mean, really was, an important it was time. Really, it was really a very... Um, adventurous um, time period because you were sailing off to places that had not yet been discovered. Yeah. So. Um, and there's still, there's a lot of Moorish influences still as yes. well there, yeah. right? Because yeah. this was where they would come in from the ocean. And Well, ag- again, Portuguese like Spanish. Um, the words beginning with A-L 
are directly attributed uh-huh. to the years that the Moors were there. And the Moors are your Arabs there. Yeah, yeah. So and, their and the architecture there. The architecture, the tiles, etc. Those are all part of the Moorish heritage in Portugal. So they have beautiful, beautiful tiles. Oh, yeah. All over. Um, mm-hmm. there's, one, uh, there's one chapel um, that you have in, in on Faro. We aren't at Faro. There's in Lagos, there's the um, Igreja de Santo Antonio, which is a b- Baroque church. And it is believed to be the birth site of St. Anthony of Lisbon oh, and really? of Padua. Yeah. Oh, okay. But Lisbon also claims to be his birthplace. <laughs> However, at this particular church in Lagos, um, there is a statue of the Blessed Mother, and she is pregnant. And women go there to pray to St. Anthony and to the Virgin to be able to have children. Wow. And that's As unusual. A, to, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, had, I was startled. Yeah. I was Really? <laughs> so, yeah. and and uh, we were just talking about which I learned from you and the towns beginning with A. So I imagine Algarve um, is again got the Moorish influence. That's it's also right. got um, oleanders, figs, almonds, which is you think of in Spain more, oh, right? But the almonds, the almonds are a bit of a legend. Mm. One of the Portuguese kings married a, a girl who was from a northern um, climate. And she missed the winter times. She missed seeing snow in the mountains. And she really, really was homesick for the climate. The Alentejo is warm. It's, it's where the beaches are. It's where Portuguese go for vacations. So the king, very wisely, um, wanted to do something to make her feel more comfortable. And he had an idea and he summoned thousands of gardeners. And as the months went by, she grew very, very weak, very tired. She really was homesick. And finally, one morning, he woke her up, and he carried her over to the window. And when she looked out, the mountains were covered in white because the almond trees were in blossom. Oh, how beautiful. What a and, great story. And they, they grow almonds. They're beautiful almonds and oranges. The best oranges come from the Algarve. And so those are wonderful things you can buy as a souvenir and yeah. bring back as mm-hmm. gifts. And almonds have become expensive. Yeah. And olives, <laughs> olive oil, too. Oh, right. Portuguese olive oil is really, really you good. You don't think about they, they Portugal. Don't export, they don't export yeah. their olive oil Um and I, I'm not sure they do. You can you can buy it, but it's not like you can walk into almost any Costco, for example, and get olive oil from, from Italy. Italy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you don't find it from Portugal because it's sold in smaller amounts. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> oh, um, and cork. We haven't talked, but you know, did you bring your cork purse? When 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 Kathy was there, she and I didn't know that. I mean, I remember driving to Fatima, and there were all these cork trees. But I didn't know you could get a cork purse, and oh, yeah. it's beautiful. You can cork anything, yeah. You can get cork. <laughs> yeah, and Portugal is the world's leading producer of cork, and it's it's quite an amazing art. I learned so much just even from driving through I the know, area. And you have to know exactly how to cut it so you don't kill the tree, mm-hmm. uh, just to take the bark itself. But you have to watch the different there's because there's a lot of fake cork from China, is you know, there on the yeah. oh. the little street vendors you yeah. know that that are really cheap. 
So beware. Yeah. Beware. Well, beware. you'll get to visit a cork factory. And, um, and again, Algarve and um, Ajateo. Ajateo, again, uh, outside the Alente. The Alentejo, they say, is a breadbasket of Portugal because it's farmland. They grow wheat. They grow everything oh. in the Alentejo, olives. Oh, that's the olives yeah. and everything, too. So then what we've done is because it's very important, we've learned that how important Madeira is um, to the Maui community and those with Portuguese heritage, um, we've had the extension. But I do, before I go to that extension to Madeira, I want to talk about photo music because it's such a unique thing. And I did see, I've seen a couple shows, and you actually recorded some photo mm-hmm. music that was done there. And it's not like any other kind of music you've heard. It's It's kind of timeless it feels very ancient like you'd be hearing that some other time and space right they say that father is the soul song of portugal and the word father comes from the word uh, it comes from fate it means fate aha uh-huh. and the portuguese um sing of their fate and it's usually sad it's usually um very, very emotional, human emotions, mm-hmm. jealousy, anger, mm. hatred, um, envy, um, and deep romance. So, Father, uh, the origins of it are not as clearly defined as many people think that it comes from Africa, mm. um, probably from Cabo Verde, the islands, um, where they do a style of singing called the morna. Others say it comes from Brazil. I I would think that Father went to Brazil. I don't think it came from Brazil to mm-hmm. Portugal. But I, I think that it may trace its origins to Africa. That I can believe. Do you hear Water. more of it in the southern area of uh, Portugal because it's closer to the... No, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all it's, over. It's all over in Coimbra, which is up further north. Um, Lisbon, all through Portugal. Yeah, it's it interesting, is. too, because I didn't know about it before. And, the, and I and follow music. And there's differences between, yeah. like, the one in Lisbon and the one in Coimbra. Coimbra, Coimbra is generally a slower-paced mm-hmm. fadu. I liked that one better. I, I, I did. Yeah. I, it, it, <laughs> there, there are a couple of real classics um, among fadu um, performers. Well, you're so fascinating. We only have three minutes left. This hour has just flown by, but we don't want to finish without mentioning that um, you can do the extension for twelve ninety five. Uh, I think it's twelve ninety five extra. Yeah. Uh, that includes uh, five days, four nights going to uh, Cam- Camara de Lobos. Camara de Lobos. And and there are no wolves on the island, but no. it's, it's the sound of the wind coming through the mountains ah. that sounds like howling. That's how ah. it got its name. And the beautiful Ribrero Frio? <laughs> I, that's, that's slaughtered. That's that. where you think you're on. You're okay. actually in the Al Valley. The <laughs> Is area. that the one? They have a fishery there. They grow fish um, in Ribeira Frio. The four and the extension is twelve forty nine. Twelve forty nine. And better. Santana. Yeah. No, I don't think that's related to San, Carlos. Uh, uh, no, it's um, <laughs> actually the houses in Santana are what are distinctive. They're triangular with thatch roof, wow. painted white with red uh, with blue and red trim on them. Wow. Um, but call Kathy because again. 
We've been talking about this for a few weeks, but time is limited. I know you've told me, um, and, and you're so right, really, um, Audrey, that a, a lot of people don't make decisions till late, but in this particular case, we need to. Um, we've only booked it for X amount of time, so we no, we'll have you. to let the space go, so yeah. you don't want to miss out. Yeah, so mm -hmm. you need to call two four four fourteen fourteen, and you don't have to talk to Kathy. If you talk, if Tina's there, you can talk to Tina as well, and you can always leave a message. But you can see the whole thing online if you go to captivatingjourneys.com. Go to our website, and there's. Um, a link to the tour and the pricing and the detailed itinerary. Which is very good. And you can see mm -hmm. pictures, you know, which is nice. A lot of us like to look at pictures. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to, see, to see what we're talking about. Uh, because uh, this is really a journey of a lifetime. And, and uh, you know, for some of you, it's, if it may be a, a return trip. For some of you, it may be the first time. Um, but this way you get familiar and you can always go back again. And that's what I do, taste. right? You get a taste of yeah. what it's about. And uh, you can always contact... Um, lovely Audrey with the Portugal um, Heritage and the Heritage Hall. She's often down there in Iao. I'm not Iao, <laughs> down in Paia. Right. Um, and there's a wonderful community there as well. So um, I have to thank you, really. Um, you can listen. Also, you have wonderful music you play uh, from Portugal on your show. And a lot of it Sunday is nights. father music. Oh, is yeah, it? Oh, yeah. wonderful. Yep. And that's on Sundays, and uh, you can hear it from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock on 1240 a.m. And, um, again, a big mahalo to you. Um, it's I, it's I learned so I learned so much from you. I really do. I do, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're an expert on this. And, Kathy, um, we'll see you. You're going to you'll be going to uh, Egypt, Egypt soon. Um, on April 12th. Pretty so soon. yeah, yeah, good. We'll talk more Still about that. Still one cabin left. If anybody's adventurous, I want to go. But <laughs> it's gonna We're going to be going to Mount Sinai. Oh, you know, wonderful! That's gonna be. And some lovely, lovely hotels and spaces on a very exclusive tour of Egypt um, mm -hmm. with uh, Andrea Smith. Well, and you can call Kathy at two four four fourteen fourteen. That's all the time we have. Thank you so much for listening to the Travel Angel Radio Show. We'll be back next week. Aloha. That was good. Thank you. It's um, Takushi. Are you from Maui originally? My, no, I'm Oahu, but my husband is from his family. Is.